Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Alongside only Hollywood Heath Pierce, Pride of Modesto, because Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies is, I don't know where he is. It's like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego with this guy? He could be anywhere. He could be on a yacht in the Mediterranean. He could be off one of his house in, in you know, in, in, I don't know where, Costa Rica, maybe, you know, <laughs> in the Pacific. I, you look like you're trying to track him down, Heath. I don't know where you are, but how, how's it going? Good to see you. Yeah, this is like uh, you know, I go to I, I've got a I've got a tracker on on Charlie, but I'm a few, I'm a few, like my I've got a delay. So when I arrive to the place I think he is, which is here right now, he's not here. He's on the move already to the next place. So uh, I'm just uh, doing my doing doing our show from here. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can track Charlie down soon. Jimmy, how you doing, man? How was your weekend? I'm, I'm doing great. I actually went to Minneapolis to be in. The stadium, Minnesota United's beautiful stadium, Allianz Fields, to see Minnesota United clinch a playoff spot on MLS Decision Day. That was pretty cool. We'll get into all that in a little bit, but it was fun to the crowd was great and the environment's amazing. And if you have a chance to go to an MLS stadium, that would be one I would highly suggest. It did a really good job with that. But Heath, we got a lot to talk about. We have Ricardo Pepe scoring his first ever brace in Europe. We got Christian Pulisic making a second league start and scoring his first league goal under Graham Potter. We have a bunch of guys, Timo Weah, Anthony Robinson, Eunice Musa, Cameron Carter-Vickers, all coming back and getting healthy again. Cameron Carter-Vickers, Captain Celtic, and their 2-1 win against St. Johnstone. And we'll get into everybody, of course. But, but there's also a player out there that we didn't talk about last week in our coming out of left field to potentially make the 26-man roster. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this because he scored two goals mm-hmm. for Birmingham this weekend. He's a it's defender. Awesome. He's a defender. Yeah. Austin Trusty, who is being highly regarded yeah. by everybody that I've talked to that are watching him consistently and and the English people who are can be judgmental at times about our players, Heath Pierce. But 
they see, he seems to be winning them over as well. Do you think he's got a chance? Because Chris Richards did not dress again for Crystal Palace this weekend. What, what do you say? I mean, from a depth standpoint, he definitely has a chance, right? When you talk about injuries, I think it's probably too late for him to work his way in because he has been playing all season long. And I, I try to I try to be hesitant. I try to hesitate on passing judgment on a brace for a, a center back, right? Like no, of course, of course, of course. I just like it just hits the radar. Point. It hits the radar different, you know. He plays consistently there. Uh, he generally plays in a back three, uh, from what I understand, or from what the times that I've sort of seen either lineups or watched on live score, seen him play. Um, but certainly from a depth standpoint, he has to be in the conversation, right? When you're thinking about Chris Richards, we are. When we started talking about injuries, we were 60 days out. Right? Mm -hmm. What are we now? Uh, the announcement is in exactly one month, isn't it? Not is it the ten? It is twenty nine days. Yeah, twenty nine days. So it is. It is coming very quickly, and you need to have players in form, and you can't presume anything. And we know there's probably going to be. We talked about this on the last show, like shock omissions or shock uh, admissions uh, to the team, and there might be one. And and when you see performances like that, there's people knocking on the door, and you say, okay, well. Don't have any international experience. We know that he was a good, uh, a big part of uh, the Philadelphia Union at one point, and then going to Colorado, and then obviously um, yes, going to Arsenal on loan. And so there's some potential that's being seen there. Uh, and for him to be playing consistent, consistently, I think he should at least be on a radar, or at least be watched intimately to know whether or not he's quite at that level to be in the national team. What, what's your take? Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, you have Eric Palmer Brown didn't play this this well this weekend. He got subbed out after his 60th minute because he wasn't playing well in his team's loss in France. Mark McKenzie was part of the 2-1 win for Genk this weekend. When I'm looking kind of at the players that think Austin Trusty would be competing against, neither one of those guys has really taken their opportunity, McKenzie and, and Eric Palmer Brown, when they've gotten into the national team as of late. Now, Austin Trusty was back in camp in January. And so the, the, they're, they're aware of him, of course. But sometimes, as we've discussed with our number nines, sometimes form is undeniable. And if Austin Trusty is playing well enough and consistently enough against top quality competition, and whatever you want to say about the championship, the grind is real. And what I like about the championship in some ways is that you are being tested and punished. It's, it's physical abuse in some ways, and it's emotional abuse, having to deal with the highs and lows and the amount of games that these guys play and for him to be steady throughout that and to be able to perform consistently at that level, I think it's pretty impressive. And I think it's worth a consideration. The problem is we didn't bring him into this last one when we had the opportunity to do so. Hey, Jimmy, and, you want to hear a fun fact on that real quick? So you, you, you did improv classes, right? I did. I so did. when I moved to New York, I took my, I went to Upright Citizens Brigade. Same, same. Thanks for copying me. I appreciate yeah, that. You, you were the one that had told me, like, this is a really I did, I did. It was really good. To, to, to just get out of your comfort zone and, and learn things. And so I, I sit down on my first day of class, and this guy's talking to me, asking me what I'm doing. I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm now retired from playing soccer. He goes, yeah, you know, I got this cousin that, that uh, uh, plays soccer. And I'm thinking, like, okay, this guy's going to feed me some nonsense. <laughs> this guy tells me his name's Jeremiah Trusty. And I go, okay. Cool, whatever he goes, I got this guy, my cousin, he plays in Philadelphia. I'm like, what's his name? He's like, Austin Trusty. Austin Trusty at this point was still just like an academy kid. So it turns out that I, I took my, one of the guys I had a partner scene with multiple times uh, during my final is the cousin of, of Austin Trusty. <laughs> I had heard of Austin Trusty before anybody else did because this guy was like, he's going to be so good. He's going to be a pro. And I'm like, yeah, man, everybody. <laughs> Everybody's going to be a pro. Uh, and so it's just a little uh, small world anecdote there. But yeah. I thought yeah, I that's a fun fact. That's yeah. a fun fact. All right, before we get into, I'll just leave Austin Trusty there. And I think that's a conversation that'll be interesting because if, if Mark McKenzie and Eric Palmer Brown, if Chris Richards stays hurt, 
or is it really at 100%? And who knows, somebody else could get hurt with Aaron Long, or maybe Aaron Long falls out of form or, or out of favor, we should say, in, in the run of the playoffs, whatever it is in MLS. I just think it's a possibility. And now I think Austin Trusty has just went up my power rankings of left field shouts. So I'll, I'll put a bow on that. Uh, he's close to the top in that one. Now, I do want to talk about, before we get into the goal scores this, this weekend, and, and we do a lap around the world with uh, how our players performed and anything else you guys want to talk about. If you want to throw us any themes, hit us up on Twitter as well, ISWT Pod. We'd appreciate that and a follow. But then obviously drop it in the comments here live on YouTube. So four players who missed the September international window with injuries returned to action over week over this weekend. And I think it's really important that we get into these uh, because Timo Weah was one of these. He missed the first 10 games for Lille in the French League. And he made a season debut. And uh, he came on in the 74th minute. He had a sitter. I don't know if you saw this or not, Heath. Jonathan David, Canadian international, does really well to get the ball across. I mean, he's hominid. It's probably knee height. And so Timo tries to like kind of side volley it in and he pops it over the bar. You know what? It happens. It happens. They still won the game. So it wasn't like the end all be all. They still got the three points. But it would have been nice for him to make his debut with the goal. But it's nice to see him back in action. That's really important. Yunus Musa finally back after uh, not playing for a while. He came out in the 62nd minute in the Valencia's 2-1 win over Osasuna. They were up 2-0 at that point. He got a yellow card 10 minutes later, so I love him that he's still a little chippy in midfield. And also, I forgot that Edinson Cavani now plays for Valencia, and Cavani had a sick assist for Justin Clivert. That should be a name people are familiar with, his dad, Patrick Clivert. But they scored a good goal, and, and Valencia now seventh in La Liga. Uh, so that's interesting to see how that continues to play out for Gennaro Gattuso, their, their manager. Uh, Anthony Robinson played the full 90 minutes in Fulham's 3-1 defeat at West Ham United. I don't really feel like I saw him involved in any of the goals they gave up. So it's nice to see him back and healthy. And then Cameron Carter-Vickers played 90 minutes and was the captain in Celtics' 2-1 win over St. Johnson. Which one are you most excited about there? Or anybody else listening? Jedi Jedi Robinson, only because of the fact that I didn't know that he was fit and healthy and to see him back in the lineup. Also, um, uh, Kurzawa wasn't dressing, so I don't know if he has some sort of injury or something concern or just isn't making the the match day roster very rarely. I don't know how many you dress now, what the rules are, but uh, if it's 18, very rarely do you have like two left backs, right, on your bench. Mm -hmm, You have mm -hmm. to go somewhere else. Right. Uh, with it or vers- versatility player. But yeah, just to see him back in um, was was a nice feeling for me and to see him go and, and, and stay stay fit and healthy. That, that was a big, big win for me. Team away is one that I'm just like, I'm kind of down on. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried. Um, <laughs> he's going to get hurt again. Yeah, I'm just, no, I'm just, not even about getting hurt. It's just more of like, apparently he's been fit and healthy for a while and either been in a debate with the medical staff as to whether or not he can step in and play right away or He's just not being um, treated the way that that we want him to be treated uh, going into right, a World right. Cup. You know? Why doesn't everybody just prioritize our U.S. men's national team when it comes to club uh, club situations? You know, why can't all the coaches just know how important this is for us U.S. fans? But that's one that I, I – 16 minutes is great, but I'd love to see that build. Eunice Moose is another one that I think he's earned his starting spot, so hopefully that's kind of a build back to get back on the field and, and right. be a starter because we need him again in, in peaking form and healthy. Uh, was there any 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 for you over the over the weekend that that jumped to mind in terms of either you know Chris Richards not not playing or or a player that's finally came back and you're just kind of like okay you know because because you, you you look at Weston McKinney comes off the bench yeah so the best, uh, on the bench doesn't play like we are we are in the thick of season for our uh, Americans abroad right now and then there's also the you know the MLS side of things that you know is there anything that came to mind at either relief or or more stress for you well Serginho Des gives me some cause for concern. And I'm going to explain the situation. 
starting with last week's midweek game in London against Chelsea in the Champions League, where Milan went there and lost 3-0 and should have lost, didn't play particularly well. Des was included in that group that didn't play particularly well. And I believe last week is also when Milan's salaries for this season have been released. Did you see those? Serginho Des makes more money per week than any other player for Milan. Wow. And and that puts a target on your back. Hey, fair. I mean, first of all, fair play to him, right? But yeah. second, but second, it? it's like 120 a week, 115 a week. <laughs> oh my guy, dude! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100. So it's like six million is what he's getting. Now, fair play to him and his agents for getting that. More power to the players if they can get they can get some scratch. Oh, yeah. But and he's he's still on loan from Barcelona, so I don't know exactly who is playing, paying for what. But still, that's that's his weekly wage, and that's more. From from what I saw, and I tried to validate it on a few websites, it, it's he's in it. There's one that was kind of anyway. He's in the top three for sure, and that's going to put you on a target on your back. So you better be able to play. Once the players figure that out, and if you're not up to that that standard, that's going to suck for Milan because then everybody else is going to be like, "Hey, I'm better than Dest, and and you're paying him this. I need to be paid more than that." So good luck to them with those negotiations. But what 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 what's on the field right now? He didn't play particularly well this weekend against Juventus. They put Pierre Colulu, the 22 year old who played some right back coming through the Lyon Youth Academy before Milan signed him in 2020. And they put him there at right back instead of Dest against Juve. And that that bummed me out a little bit because I wanted to see Dest get another chance to kind of work through whatever the issues were for Chelsea. And he didn't get that chance, didn't even get in. And I don't think he's going to play against Chelsea this midweek with the return fixture of match day four for the Champions League when they go to the San Siro. I just think that Pioli, the manager for Milan, is going to roll out the same guys or close to the same guys that did it. So that that makes me worried for Dest. Now, Weston McKinney came in that same game. He didn't start. And he came on for John Square, as I call him, Juan Cuadrado, who was struggling because they have Teo Hernandez is back, one of the best attacking wingbacks in the world uh, for Milan. And they got Rafael Leao, who's probably the best player in Serie A. The guy's ridiculous, right? So you have that on your left side for Milan. And Juan Cuadrado got overrun and Weston McKinney got thrown out there and, and good luck, said Maxi Allegri. And, and uh, it's just hard to stop those two. These guys are a pretty unbelievable players. So he just didn't have much to work with given the situation and obviously probably not put in a position that plays to his strengths, uh, all things considered. So it wasn't a great look. So that desk, but the desk situation in particular makes me nervous because he had his chance. He didn't take it. And now I think it's going to take him a while to get back into the team. Man, it's it's tough. Again, I go back to the fact that like we are sort of even by way of the national team development of going with all the young players, we've sort of skipped a very important process in our player development. Right? It's like we went from being like survive any team in the Premier League to being like now we've got big young stars playing at big clubs at a young age. And so, you know, Des, I go back to of of, of, a, of a player who. Um, only played one season at mm-hmm, at, mm-hmm. at uh, it was like 19 matches or something like that for Ajax. Maybe maybe more. I could be wrong on that stat, so don't quote quote me on that. But you know, now he's finding his rhythm. Where now it's Barcelona. Now it's AC Milan. Like, where does he fit into the overall conversation? Is it too big of a club? Does he have all the tools? We know he has the potential, but does he have all the tools to play and develop at the same time at a club that size? And I worry about teams like that. I mean, you see about like Timo Weah being linked to Valencia. I go, is that the right move? I mean, mm-hmm. is 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 this the right one for Timo Weah? Is he a is he a nine? Is he a winger? What what like what are we going to get out of him consistently? And 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 to kind of take that to to a point, I'm I'm trying to make is the conversation recently has been very much about is Christian Pulisic peaking? 
And you could see in his performance, maybe not in the first half as like much as we want, but you can see the absolute quality that he has when he feels like he's being backed. And I think there's a big, there's a big, uh, yeah, just a big, um, I don't know, just like a big difference that you could see in Christian Pulisic. He's got a lot of upside left, but we've got these guys playing at such big clubs that we're starting to think like, oh, maybe he's peaked, maybe he's maxed, maybe he's at a ceiling and he's got to go somewhere else. Or maybe it's just the wrong club situation, you know? And I think about that across the board for our development from 22 to 26. Yes, there's going to be some new blood coming in uh, of players that that aren't in the national team yet, probably a lot. But we still need that development to go step by step by step for a lot of our players. And right now, you look at this weekend and you go, some of our big players aren't playing. The ones that we trust the most probably aren't playing and the ones that we want to play. And there's just, a, it's, it's chaotic this time of year. I just want to kind of, I said this earlier, I'll say it again, put a button on this Timo Weah conversation because he did come on as a left winger and uh, he was bombing the box. Jonathan David gets the number nine for Lille in Canada. When he gets the ball, you know, he, they go and they they help join the attack and, and he needs to do the same for us. We just don't have the same type of number nine as Jonathan David. So that, that obviously uh, lends itself to a different conversation. But Lille, before the roster gets announced, Heath, they play away to Strasbourg. So we'll see if he gets to start or play in that one. Probably won't start, but I can see him being a super sub. Then they got Monaco, Lyon, and Rennes. And those are three very, very, very good opponents. And I'm curious to see what kind of impact he's going to have in that. And hopefully he can start to build that confidence because this World Cup is coming up quick. It is coming up quick. All right. You brought up Christian Pulisic. Let's talk about him. Gets his second Premier League start of the season, but his first under Grand Potter and scores his first goal. Coincidence, everybody. I think not. I think not. And what I loved... And where he had a lot of success, he also had a great chance in the first half, and probably Chelsea's best chance in the first half, is that when he picks up the ball and runs at people, that's when he's at his best. And I'm going to bring up Brendan Aronson as well, because he set up the first goal for Leeds in their 2-1 loss to Crystal Palace. And I want to get into Leeds a little bit more separately here in a little bit. But Brendan Aronson also is very similar when he picks up the ball and runs at people. That's when those two guys are at their best. My big concern, and we've talked about it before, but I am going to bring it up again, and we don't have to talk, we don't have to go into the weeds. We struggle, I think, as a national team when other national teams take away that that opportunity for us. They take away that space for us to get our wingers to get the ball and run at them, which makes perfect sense. We just got to have a plan B. We've already gone over this, so we don't need to beat a dead horse. I will say this before you go too far into it. The Brendan Aronson slalom run for Leeds was was fantastic. But there was a play that that had – I think Aronson touched the ball, but maybe not. But Tyler Adams' combination play – no, no. Brendan Aronson laid it off one touch, goes to Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams plays a through ball to, to Bamford. And I was like, that speed of play yeah. beats anybody. When you yeah. are checking back, one-touch layoff, goes to the next guy, one-touch through ball, Bamford on, goalie makes a big save. For leads, I go, okay, Tyler Adams' through ball was excellent. Short. It was excellent. Uh, you know, um, uh, Brendan Aronson, the, the awareness to play quickly with a guy on his back and lay it off. Like those kinds of things you go, that's World Cup level. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, yeah, you're playing against Palace. Yes, you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. You're playing against two top center backs, uh, a, a very good midfield, that when you have that speed of play, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. That will beat anyone. That will beat right. anyone in the World Cup good to point. Get, create an opportunity. And I think that creativity, that confidence – Tyler Adams to put a final ball in, Brendan Aronson's awareness again. I just think that there is something there that we shouldn't be fearful of. Oh, what if they press us? What if they sit back? Mm-hmm. That's just how you have to play at the international game. You have to have ideas. You have to want the ball in tough spaces. You have to be able to play quick. You have to have some creativity. You have to have a little bit of that r- rhythm to your build-up play, which you usually see in club ball more than international ball. But if we did that, I like our I, like we can create goal-scoring opportunities. Sure. 
I just want to give everybody some context. So Leeds was already up 1-0 at this point, and this was going to make it 2-0. There's the combination play that Heath described. And Tyler Adams actually does. He's, he's in his normal spot, and he recognizes there's some space in front of him to help combine and then keep his run moving. He gets the ball back in a great spot, and that unlocks the center backs for Crystal Palace. He plays a nice through ball into Patrick Bamford, who two seasons ago would have hit the back of the net. This one was kind of a – I know the goalkeeper, we could probably said – did well to kind of be patient and stay on his feet, but Bamford was he, he just lacking confidence. That was the kind of, it, it should have been two. And if it was two, then we, I think we're talking a lot different about Leeds uh, coming out of this weekend, but they have yet to win an away game in the Premier League this season. They're currently in 14th, only three points away from the relegation zone. So they got <laughs> they got Arsenal next at home. So we're going to see uh, what they're made of and how they're going to respond to that. Now, fair enough, they did beat Chelsea at home 3-0 earlier in the season. And that was a, probably their best performance uh, 90 minutes so far. But, but, to your point, Heath, the Tyler Adams, not that I need him to be the playmaker. That's that's not what I want him to be thinking about per se, but when he's playing for us. But I do like that he's got that in his bag and that, that is an option for us. That if things, other things are being taken away that he can step up and potentially identify the space, make quick decisions and play that final ball. I mean, look, if we're going to be a pressing team, which I hope that we are, because that's when I think we've been our best, Tyler Adams is going to ultimately win the ball higher spots up the field or need to be higher if he's the first line of press, yes, we don't want him to leave that back line or expose us too much if we're playing a high line. But to know that we have players like that, I just start to think like this is a guy that that uh, does have some tools beyond just being the you know the high energy guy, the captain because he's rah 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 yeah. because he can go out to the wingers on in transition and and, and close the down or draw a foul or those types of things that that make him so good. Um, we need to trust that ability to go forward too because when you think about a World Cup, we have no idea who's going to make the big play, none. Right, the Clint Dempsey goal against England, like no one knows that was going to happen. You, you don't know where the goal is going to come from, who's going to go. When you mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you lay a ball out to a Tyler Adams, and you go, "Oh, don't shoot! There's somebody better who can shoot." You know, uh, but it could be the big player, the final ball, or the what magical moment will need to come from one of those eleven players on the field. And we can't just say it has to come from Pulisic or our nine or whatever. It could be a set piece. It could be in the run of play. But we need a player like Tyler potentially to be the one that makes the big play for us mm-hmm, in a world mm-hmm. cup. And so to see him do that going forward with the one chance that he had, yes, they didn't score on it. Yes. The game could have been different, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to give uh, go too far uh, beyond that. But I, I just, it just, it just gave me a little bit of hope that our team could come up with some goal scoring opportunities. Cause I'm like the national team right now. I'm like, this is pretty, it's dry season right now in terms of our creativity our attacking, which you know, is all of that stuff, which is why I'm coming around to, this is, might be hard for me to say out loud. I don't think you can start Brendan and Pulisic at the same time. I think they're too similar in terms of where they want to get the ball, what they want to do. And I just like contrast in my teams. I like that, that, you know, team away is going to provide a little bit, something different. He's looking for, for the game in a different way than, than Christian, right? He's, he, we saw in qualifying, he's excellent at, you know, getting down towards the end line and getting crosses off. Not to say that Brendan can't do that, but that's not what he's looking for. So, so, the more I see it, the more when I start to, they're not like for like these guys, but there's a lot of similarities in their games. And, and with regard to Christian, he just reached with this goal against Wolves this past weekend and Chelsea's 3-0 win. His, he's got the 20 career Premier League goals, which uh, he is the third American to do that ever. Clint Dempsey, number one, 57 Premier League goals. That's a lot, dude. I didn't realize he had that many. And Brian McBride, 36. So uh, shout out to Christian for uh, getting to 20. That's a, that's a big deal. There's not too many Americans that have done that. My fear really quick about Christian is that despite this performance, and you remember he had an assist for Chelsea uh, leading into the Champions League and didn't get to play. 
Grant Potter made five subs against AC Milan last midweek in the Champions League and didn't put Christian in there at all. And they sat. Raheem Sterling didn't play this weekend. Aubameyang didn't play this weekend. Oh, yeah, he's not playing. <laughs> and I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to go to the San Siro and play. Now, maybe he comes on, if it's situational, for 10 minutes, potentially. But it looks like Grant Potter is, is uh, giving the Premier League work to, to Christian at the moment and uh, giving the Champions League stuff to, to some of the other guys. So we'll have to wait and see, but, but I'm curious to see uh, what honestly, happens. I, mean, I, I think his time at Chelsea is done. For us, for me personally, it's just about getting and maximizing minutes to build his confidence for the World Cup. It's like you said, you don't care what people do after the World Cup. Christian, you want to go play for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> uh, but in the World Best of luck to you. We'll take, see you in 26. Yeah, take what you can get and make the most of it so that you feel confident and informed coming into the World Cup. His performances are not going to change his status in the team. They're too deep. They got too many options. And and I think if you're Graham Potter, you're like, well, you know, I've I've got Aubameyang, you know, I've got uh, I, I've I've got Raheem Sterling, I've got Mason Mount, who's who's rounding into form right now again as well after not being in form for most of the season. So I, it's just more of like when he gets in, can he do the things that make him confident so that when he comes into the national team, we have the best version of him versus the woe is me version, which has some merit, but also you know can can be detrimental to his performances. All right, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we got some Ricardo Pepe hype train news to get into and some Josh Sargent hype train news to get into. And, of course, we got to talk about our goalkeepers and how they've performed and everything else in between. It's going to be a lot of fun. So don't go anywhere, everybody. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I am Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce because Charlie Davies decided to not show up today. And can you, can you guys go to Twitter or Instagram and give him a hard time? That would be fantastic. We'd appreciate that. And uh, while you're on the Twitters, drop a follow to this podcast, ISWT Pod. That would mean a lot to us as we look to continue to grow this amazing community into, ahead of, and during the World Cup. And afterwards, of course, it's going to be plenty to talk about. We have uh, some tremendous young players that are coming through our ranks. Well, let's get into our number nines, Heath Pierce. We promised it. We're going to deliver. Ricardo Pepe got his first brace, scored two goals for Groningen this past weekend. One was a pen, but the other one was a nice combination play to make the game 2-2. He now has four goals and one assist in his four games in the Eredivisie. That's exactly why you needed to get out of Augsburg, and we'd love to see it. Also, before you give me your thoughts on that, Keith Pierce is our number one Ricardo Pepe fan here on the podcast. <laughs> Josh Sargent scored two minutes into Norwich's 3-2 loss, unfortunately, at home to Preston North End. But uh, just a, it just looked so easy for, for Josh. Got the ball wide, nice little cut, hit it near post. Thank you very much. But can he just do that every, every game for the U.S.? That would be great. And then Jesus Ferreira. And FC Dallas's decision day, big 2-1 win over Sporting Kansas City. Had an assist, 
But uh, I thought he looked very active, looked ready to go. And I think he's going to be really sharp for FC Dallas heading into the playoffs. They're hosting Minnesota United uh, next Monday on FS1. So uh, lots to get into on the MLS side as well. But which one stood out for? I assume Pepe's the one that, that like, this guy's just blowing the doors down in Groningen right now. Yeah, and, and look, it's not even about two goals, it's a penalty, one, whatever. It's just about <laughs> the fact that, like, when you see his movement, when you see the things that he does well, he is a goal scorer. And, and I just like the fact that he's converting on those, right? Because no matter who you are, when you go into the, that drought, that drought can go on forever. Uh, because no matter what type of striker you are, whether you're clinical or not, or you get 100 chances or your speed or your power or whatever, you need that confidence of scoring goals. And so that, for me, is only making him, when you watch him, he's busy in the box. He wants the ball in every situation. Like, he's hungry for goals in a way that I don't think we ever saw him, mostly because he's never, he was never in and around the goal for Augsburg, ever. You know, he was out on the, he was out on the wings. He was doing a lot of that dirty work. And in, uh, for a club like Augsburg, yes, they're doing well this year so far. But in previous seasons past, I came from a situation like that when I was in the Bundesliga where you got a half chance. I remember going in... Um, playing at left midfield against against um, uh, Cottbus in a big game to keep us into the league. I got my one chance, goalie made a save, and it was a clear chance. We never got one again, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that was it. And, and that pain and that disbelief that we couldn't get all three points away from home fell on me. The one big chance, the clear chance. I didn't finish it, right? And, and I remember that being, you know, we worked so hard to get that type of moment. That's what that was like for for him at Augsburg. That's a lot of pressure for anybody, young or old, to convert on that type of stuff, right? Because you're just trying to survive in the league. Now he's in a situation where, yes, the club isn't the biggest club in Holland, but the 4-3-3 and the the Dutch football system is going to allow him to get the ball in and around the goal and create goal-scoring opportunities. Yes, the team might not win, but they he might get two goals and they might lose 3-2 like they did. So it's it, it's just a good situation for him, being the age that he is, how unproven he is as a career goal scorer, um, that I'm just I'm just excited that they recognize that without waiting two or three more years to just go, oh yeah, I've wasted all this time now. Now I'm 24 and you know, out of form and and missed a couple years of development. Yeah, sometimes I forget that Ricardo Pepe's only 19. That just blows my mind. But uh yeah, to your point, I, I was really impressed with his his evolution so far with Gronigan. His confidence continues to grow and grow and grow, and you can see him. Just being a presence out there where it felt like he was a passenger for Augsburg, right? He's just kind of shadowing the play, hoping maybe something will fall his way. You know, making good runs at times. Players wouldn't pass him the ball at Augsburg. And it just felt like maybe there was too much pressure. And then there was going to be handcuffs. That, that pressure was going to handcuff him in some ways. That if he didn't score yeah. three goals every game, then Augsburg and everybody else were going to be disappointed because they paid so much for him and so on and so forth. This has been a nice breath of fresh air. And I feel like this is kind of what we want for Christian Pulisic as well. Like, hey, man. You did what you're going to do with Chelsea. Sucks is not working out. They're not trusting you the way that they should or the way that we hope. And now you got to go find somewhere else and, and maybe take that. Yeah, maybe it feels like a step back, but to go two steps forward. Yeah. And it feels like Ricardo Pepe's enjoying this now. And obviously, when you score, you get a lot of confidence there. So pretty excited about that. But Josh Sargent continues to do the business, man. You, I mean, I think he's going to make the roster. That's I, I put my flag on the ground on that a couple months Charlie, ago. Charlie called that out that he wasn't going to make it. I think he's going to make it. And I wanted to take one 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 little note on this real quick is we had Tom saying MLS players are unfamiliar with pro-rail pressure. Most players are unfamiliar with pro-rail pressure, right? Josh Sargent experienced pro-rail pressure last year. Josh Sargent is doing well this year in, in in the championship, right? So it is a completely different mentality of when you are winning surviving, games. Surviving. Yeah. And when you're surviving. Surviving does not like shape diamonds in most of these scenarios. It's stressful. 
you don't play the way that you want to play. You don't develop the way you want to develop because everything is about like the coach keeping his job, the club financials. And while I do think every player at a young age should go through that type of stress and mentality, most aren't, you know, like, like who else from our teams? Yeah. Maybe Weston McKinney for a short time before he left, but I think he had jumped ship already. Josh Sargent experienced that at Werder Bremen before he left, but generally, you know, it's, that's not something ex- like exclusive to, to European players that they all go through, maybe at some point in your career. But it is not, it's, it's not a healthy pressure. The pressures of like getting to Europe or getting results and single yeah, table. F- fighting to get into the starting 11, maintaining yeah. your starting 11 There's position. a lot of pressure that's pretty consistent. that you don't yeah. have in MLS. The depth of squads, the opportunities, the stress of being away from home and all that stuff. That's different than pro real pressure. That's just more trauma than I think anything. But if you experience it once, I think you can grow from it. But it's not something that just sort of, you know, makes you makes you a better player because it's not. I don't know. I, I guess I'm trying to like put that part of it to rest. Europe, no, no, is very different. But that I, I agree. I, th- I, th- I think that's an important distinction that you're making. That that that's a different type of pressure. And maybe that when it seems clear that your team is the worst in MLS, you're not f- have that fear of relegation, the shame that comes with it. But I'll tell you what. I've been on a team that was the worst in MLS, and it sucks. Yeah. It, it, it it doesn't feel good. It, it doesn't, I, you know, I, I, it, it makes me, and I assume it, I, if you're a professional athlete, you're trying to get better every time you step on the field or that's yeah, in theory, at least yeah. that you don't want to be on the worst team in the league. It's not a good look. And for, for, let's say it like this. I knew that if I wanted to be on the national team and we, it's been well-documented that I'm 75 years old and played in multiple world cups and all that good stuff. But, but I've I knew so many times, Jimmy, I don't actually know how old you are anymore. That's great. <laughs> which is great which is great nobody nobody knows and yeah. i and i act like i'm 17 so like my median's around 30 yeah so so i knew though just to give some people some context with regard to this i knew that if i was on the worst team in mls there's not a goddamn chance in hell i'm gonna go play for the national team the national team isn't looking for guys that play on the worst team in mls they just don't and, and okay maybe a guy started in the player pool and, and he's been in and around Jackson Ewell. I'll use him for an example, right? Then all of a sudden, he's the captain of one of the worst teams in MLS. Do we call him on anymore? No. Should we? No. He's not on a, He's not doing Maybe Maybe he could say, well, I'm surrounded by, you know, whatever it is. But I knew that. If I wanted to, like, I, I knew that, okay, because I didn't play for youth national teams, I didn't, I didn't get into, I didn't have the, let's say, the traditional route of getting identified and all that, right? I had to fight for it in a different way. But I knew if I was going to do that, I had to be a part of the best defense in the league. The best defense in the league was going to be undeniable. And from there, MLS was going to have to recognize it. And if I could be an all-star or up for MLS defender of the year, that's going to start to have the national team coaches like, oh, look at this. Look at this guy. Yeah, yeah he's Gillies. Like he's quietly putting together a good defensive season. Look at that guy. Let's see if he can do it again. Did it again. Then I finally got called in. Right. So, so. That's that is the pressure. If you really want to be considered for the national, you can't be on a shit team. You just can't. No matter where you are around the world, you you might get a look. You might get a look at some point. You got to make the most of that look. Mm-hmm. But once they see you and you're like, yeah, well, that no wonder they're part of it. <laughs> He's part of a crap team. He's crap. Mm-hmm. Then then that's it. And there goes your opportunity. So, well, how about this? Just, go ahead. How about how about how about this on that on that note? Do you think the same is applicable to you know we talk about Austin Trusty with two goals, but. Zach Steffen, five saves, um, but they lose a lot. They give up a lot of goals. Now, it's different. If you're a defender, it is r- really undeniable. And, you know, you and I have both been in situations where you're like, dude, not, I had nothing to do with that goal. Right? <laughs> nothing I could have done. It was a right. through ball over the top on yeah, some yeah. 
somebody, somebody like, and, and, and you're just, just no way you could have contributed to it differently. But um, it becomes, uh, you know, you have to make it undeniable that you should be called in with, with the quality that you have. And that tends to leading to making the players around you better and things like that. Right. For the goalkeeper situation, looking at a Zach Steffen, continues to give up goals, but making some solid saves. And again, full transparency, I haven't watched 90-minute matches of him um, for, the, for, you know, every match for every weekend. But do, do you think that has an effect on, on the way he's being perceived or judged? Or, or uh, yes, I do. Versus, versus um, Matt Turner, who's not even playing? There's no question. I mean, we could argue Matt Turner did play Europa League midweek and got a clean sheet and made made a good couple saves, right? There's still a lot of questions about his feet <laughs> and Arsenal fans aren't excited and get really nervous when he's got the ball at his feet. But the guy makes saves. I mean, he's a, a world-class shot stopper. That, yeah, that feels undeniable at this point. Now, he didn't play this weekend, Matt Turner. You know, Aaron Ramsdale is going to get back in. Zach Steffen, though, was man of the match in Middlesbrough's uh, 1-0 win uh, midweek. And then he was not man of the match <laughs> against Millwall when they lost 2-0. And they've got a new manager in Leo Perkovic who seems to like him, so that's good. But I think what I would want from Zach is just that consistency. And, and unfortunately, his consistency is tied to results because he's the last guy, right? Mm -hmm. So the responsibility, some of it is going to have to fall to him, whether it's his fault or not. It's tough for the goalkeepers in particular. I, I watched Joe Scali. This weekend, uh, Mönchengladbach won five to two. He wasn't really involved on the five goals, and he wasn't really involved in the two they gave up. So, mm -hmm. well played, Joe Scally, right? That's I mean, he's, they got a nice win bonus, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then <laughs> Ethan Horvath. Yeah, Ethan Horvath, uh, 180 minutes, right? He played 180 minutes this past week. They're unbeaten in their last five, Luton Town. They're up to ninth, so things are gravy. But uh, there's a 3-3 draw with Huddersfield midweek, and then you there's a 0-0 zero, zero away to West Brom. I mean, it's just... You want to give me your three up, three down? Yeah, let's do three up, three down. Okay. Do you want yeah. me to start or you want to go first? Yeah, good question. Three up, three down. Okay. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. What are you going to yeah, do? Are you going to go I'll, down first and then put Matt Turner I'll go, again? <laughs> I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go down first. Um, Zach Steffen won again. I, I just want I just want goalkeepers to be playing. That's check one. So it's it's a little bit harsh on him. So wait, he's I, up I, right I, now. He's up or down? He's down. down. He's down. I want him to be playing. So that's up to me. Man of the match midweek, down. down on the weekend for Heath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just again. Uh, harsh, maybe. Yeah, harsh. I just want him. Heath does I, not like goalkeepers. That's, that's Well, it's just hard when you think about like, I want him to be in a situation where he's confident. And I don't feel he's confident because there's every, every once a week comes out some moment in the game where they could have been punished because of a Zach Steffen moment, right? And actually, okay, if you go okay. back to early Tim Howard at, at Man United when he when he lost his form there, it was one mistake a game. Blinders of saves, huge yeah, saves, yeah, yeah. huge saves. And then it was just one, one moment that costs you. And when I think about the World Cup and the trust in that, I don't see him I, – I just think that's, that, that's a down. Uh, the, the other down for me uh, is – who was the other one that I wanted to go with? Um, oh, yeah. Um, West yeah. McKinney not getting the start and Serginho Des. Those are two players that I want to be playing um, week in and week out. Yes, West McKinney playing is is, is something, but um, and then and then my do you want me to you want to do your three down or me? No, yeah, let me do my three down. My three down, uh, Serginho Dest, I think that situation is not looking good for him. That's oh. just me trying to read between the lines about what I'm seeing and how well Milan performed uh, against Juve. And I think they're going to roll out a similar lineup, so that gives me some some concern, as I mentioned before. I will say that uh, Jordan Pifok just hasn't been as dominant. Uh, somebody dropped in the chat that he's gotten one shot on goal in his last five games, I think, in all competitions. Got zero shots this past weekend. At some point, at some point, Union Berlin, where at some point we're going to cool off. They're just way too hot 
Um, and so I just think it's it's when he doesn't play, this is what happens when you're on the bubble. If you don't play well, yeah, then then it you gives have a reason to let you out. Yeah, they're like, ah, well, look at yeah, he just got hot. Now nah, he's fine. You know, he's he's come back down to earth. This is the Jordy P fuck we know. It, it it's not fair to him at all. But that's that's what coaching staffs can do. Is Greg Berhalter and his coaching staff doing that? I'm not sure, but I'm just saying they can use that against him, and that makes me a little fearful for him, especially as Pepe scoring goals, Sargent yeah. scoring goals, and Ferrer's being really active. And I think there was an interview where Greg did come out and say, maybe it was the Andrew Wiebe interview, where he said, oh, we're not going to take four strikers to the World Cup or something like that. So it's interesting to see. I, I think that could change his mind since it's, it's been expanded to 26. Yeah. So, so I got Jordy Pifok in there as well. Um, and Eric Palmer Brown, another bubble player, obviously center back is still feels like it's up in the air a little bit and him not having a good performance again, kind of falls into the Jordy Pifok area where it's not looking great. So yeah. those are kind of the ones that, that I would say kind of jump out at me. Um, yeah. that's fine. I mean, the, the other one I would say is Jesse Marsh again, he's, he's got to manage these games out. They had a really good first half, uh, for, for, a, a three, one of the three downs, uh, really good first half for them. Um, gave up a goal on a set piece against the run of play. But again, those are the kinds of things that are going to, they're going to hurt you. And the first half, again, they had a real system of play the way that they wanted to play. They just looked like they, 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 they looked like they had purpose in the way they yeah. were, they were going to play, not just like the chaos of pressing well and not to be disrespectful to the pressing game, but, uh, and then the second half, a very different team. And so that's one that I'm like, they got to keep continuing to add like five minutes of extended quality to their system if they want to put together complete performances or be be you know mid table team and safe for for the majority of the season uh this year but that would have been the only other down that I would I was thinking of Jesse Marsh yeah I mean it's obviously he is uh, a flag in the ground for for Americans as really the only coach and and I remember having a conversation when I went over there with him and just how hard it was and how difficult it is to find the time to go get your 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 wafer badges mm -hmm. okay you, you say you're a coach an American coach over here and you've gotten, you know, your U.S. soccer licenses and you're all the way up there and like, OK, now I got to do an 18 month program to go get my UEFA while I'm coaching now. It's just a lot. Yeah, and then up. and then to get over there. I mean, he had that opportunity where he got to be an assistant with RB Leipzig before he took over RB Salzburg. So he then had not the full time pressure of being the main guy. He can continue to get his UEFA pro. And it's just he was just telling me that it's such an intensive process. It's just going to be really hard for whoever wants to fall. He's like, I'm, I can't wait. I hope more, more, more people come. It's just a big commitment and a big sacrifice. Obviously, his family had to buy in as well, moving his whole wife and kids and, and moving them around Europe. And and sure, there's a lot of romanticism attached to that, but I'm sure it's really difficult as well to to manage that. So that's just, it's interesting to see how that's going to play out. So yes, I, I I want Jesse March to do well, and and for a lot of reasons, and uh, but just for him on a personal level, just to just to prove that. We know what we're doing and uh, <laughs> that we know the game. You well, know, there's so much pressure on, on Americans to have to, like, prove it 10 times over because, yeah. uh, well, they got lucky. The first. There's always some caveat as if we have any success. Yeah. Well, I'll give you my, I'll give you my three up then real quick. Uh, Jedi Robinson, Ricardo Pepe, and the other one I was going to go with, which was, man, I just, I just lost it here. I mean, it, it sh I should be giving it to a, a, a goal scorer like Christian Pulisic and stuff. So, I, I, mean, I mean, is that up, though? I mean. But it, the, the, the one that's up for his situation, Kevin Paredes, uh, as an up, only because of the fact that he is an incredible player, still 19 years old, and starting to be, you know, the third guy off the bench for for Wolfsburg, which I think is a really important player outside of our pool, outside of the landscape of of going to the World Cup that we need to be pushing forward. Because as soon as 22 World Cup ends, 
we've got a whole new generation that we've got to we we've got to be able to go to. And he's one 19 years old. Um, to see him getting that's a good shout. It's really shout. important. So just no, it's a good shout. Out. It's a good shout. I probably uh, I put Ricardo Pepe in there for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. This is in no particular order. I think Austin Trusty is starting to uh, obviously scoring goals puts him on our on a radar. It just helps bring more attention to how he's been performing consistently for Birmingham up until this point. Right. So I put him on the list as kind of sneaking up and, and maybe making some noise there. And then I I'm just gonna package all the injured guys that came back <laughs> to full health: Yunus mm-hmm. uh, Musa, Anthony Robinson, Cameron Carter Vickers, and um, and and Timo Weah. Yeah, thank you. So so that. Those are all ups for me. So those are, those are a lot of ups. I'm feeling good about the ups. And ultimately, overall, I think the player pool had a pretty good weekend, all things considered. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Long may continue. Obviously, a lot of guys have midweek games, and, and we'll see if they get valuable minutes to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts, then? This is a, we we kind of like tying this one up with a nice little bow. Uh, let us know your three up and three down on the Twitter at ISWT Pod. You can drop them here. We can dissect it as well. We're going to have a couple big shows for you, as we always do, working on a special guest for this week as well. We'll come to you on Thursday. We'll go live, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then on Friday, we'll do 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Heath, it's great to to do with you. My final thoughts, just, you know, Champions League well underway. Um, And and, uh, we've got Champions League again this week. So I'm excited to see if some of our Americans get featured minutes um, and get a chance to prove themselves on an even bigger stage to further sort of qual or I don't even know the word kill any of our fears of them not being <laughs> yeah, that, that, that got yeah. that got intense uh, really quick. Uh, you know, of, of, of players that the quality that they have, I wanted to see it come through uh, in Champions League as well. So just just that's my final thought there. Okay, okay, I got uh, two final thoughts, and I think one will probably open up the conversation again because that's what we do. The, the, the first one, the first one is. It's our 100th episode of In Soccer We Trust on Thursday. So come back and celebrate with us. That'll be a a lot of fun. I can't believe we've done 100. I think we should figure out a way to do a giveaway, right? We we, We should do a giveaway. Okay, how about you want me to do this? I can do a Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson jersey giveaway. Leeds jerseys giveaway. What do you think? Okay, I like that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got that. I got the away kit as well. So it's just so everybody can see it. I got some Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson kits. I went big on the Leeds kits, okay? Nice. Okay, I'm just supporting the guys they over there. The it's a big deal. Store it's a no? big deal. It, what's that? Did they give you a discount at the club store? They did not. The I did not get a discount. The dollar to nope. pound is, is the discount. Yeah, I got absolutely crushed on these. But you know what? It's for a good cause, and that is to okay. giving it away to our community. Let's do that. Thursday, giveaway, special, 100th episode. We'll gotta make it happen. You're not getting it. All right, MLS Decision Day, though, Heath. We didn't really get into that. Big games. And I loved being in Minneapolis because when I was talking to fans, both Vancouver and Minnesota, whoever won that game was booking their ticket. And you could feel the tension. You could feel it in the fans. And, and well, many, uh, Minnesota had been struggling leading into this one. And they just needed to, to make it happen. A draw would have saw them through as well. But uh, it was cool to be in an environment where there was so much at stake. And I love big games. So it was, it was a big honor to be there and to, to, to be a part of it in some capacity. And now it's set. MLS playoffs are set. We'll obviously talk about it a little bit more on a preview show on Friday. But just for everybody that doesn't know, we got the Red Bulls taking on FC Cincinnati. We have LA Galaxy taking on Nashville. That's a pretty good one. That's in LA. Uh, Austin FC taking on Real Salt Lake. We have Montreal, who've been excellent. This is quietly very, very, one of Heath's former clubs, one of many of Heath's former clubs, uh, doing very, very well. Uh, They're hosting Orlando City. NYCFC taking on Gonzalo Higuain. And uh, Phil Neville, that'll be uh, on Tuesday, or maybe it's Monday night that's happening. FC Dallas, that is Monday. Uh, FC Dallas will take on Minnesota or host Minnesota United. And then LAFC, Supporters Shields winners get a bye in the first round. 
And then Philadelphia Union had the best record in the Eastern Conference, so they'll get a bye as well. I don't really like the bye, I'll be honest. I think it slows you down from your rhythm, but uh, those two teams have been I mean, excellent. They lose to Nashville, so they probably want a little bye and a break uh, after that. You know, yeah. It's all about going into form on that. So, so I don't think there's been too many Supporter Shield winners that have actually gone on to win MLS Cup. Do you think that... Uh, I think like Toronto only, did. Only, only Toronto, if it comes to mind. I think LA Galaxy did one time, too. Okay, so you got two out of, what, 27 or 28? seasons yeah. that have actually done it do you think lafc are going to win mls cup I mean, there's no seattle this year so that could be one way for them to get closer to a, to a cup. no cascadia teams at all no portland yeah. timbers no seattle sounders no vancouver whitecaps as you want this time of year um really really going hard but um yeah i mean they, they did they definitely got a chance um but they weren't great against nashville nashville played the way that i i think you see a uh playoff team playing yeah, Seattle team will play against them. Well, Seattle would play them in the playoffs where they'll play ugly, they'll play scrappy, they'll just make it really, really hard for you. And that's where LAFC have to find the next gear. Again, under Steve Schrundel, very different than under Bob Bradley. So um, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for the playoffs, and, and we'll give you guys more of a breakdown about that and our player pool and who's involved moving forward on Friday in particular. So thank you for listening and watching in soccer. We trust, as always, on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, I guess Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Trash Can Conrad Nino Conrad saying thank you again for all your support. We really appreciate you and we will see you on Thursday. Enjoy the Champions League, everybody. Later.